Hey there, it's Olivia Allen Price, host of Bay Curious, the podcast. KQED Podcasts wants to thank listeners like you whose support makes this podcast possible. If you want to help us continue to make great content, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. And thanks. From KQED. Let's start today's episode in a communal garden in Berkeley. Uh, we got the sunflowers, we got mint, and we got cucumber. Ira Hudson is looking over all the herbs and vegetables she's growing outside her new apartment, deciding what to pick for dinner. There are zucchini and tomatoes. We got the chives and collard greens and onions. Ira's 71 years old, a lifelong Alameda County resident, and she loves this new apartment. Before she moved here, she was living at a place in downtown Oakland. It started out fine, but when the management changed, the building became run down. New neighbors moved in next door, and she didn't feel safe. They were just starting to let any and everybody come in here. And then and I couldn't stand the bugs. Ira wanted to move out, but when she looked at other apartments, the prices were too high. On a whim, she submitted an application to Jordan Court, a low-income apartment building for seniors that opened last March. Her application was one of more than 850 to fill a mere 34 spots. Ira didn't like her chances, but... Out of the blue, I got a call. It said, you got an apartment here. I said, you got to be kidding. I said, that, that is nothing but a blessing. Ira is really happy here. She's got a great kitchen, and her apartment is big. And don't get her started on the closets. I love a closet. And some of the, some of the closets here are small. But I got a big one. <laughs> so I was like, I'm blessed. Now, how this apartment came to be is a unique story. It was built by All Souls Episcopal Church, just next door. They're one of relatively few churches in the Bay Area that have built housing. But as it turns out, there are lots of other faith groups that are interested. A Bay Curious listener named Daniel Lawler wrote to us asking about what houses of worship can do to help the affordable housing crisis in this state. Today, we'll get into what it takes to open the doors on a project like Jordan Court, where Ira lives. And we'll learn about all the barriers that make building something like that so hard. I'm Olivia Allen Price. This is Bay Curious. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night. Knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. Bay Curious listener Daniel Lawler was working at an after-school literacy program in Oakland back in January 2021. 
He was out walking around San Francisco one day when a question popped into his head. There are so many beautiful historic churches. There are so many parts of the city that have these houses of worship. How many of these houses of faith sponsor affordable housing? How many could? When we called him up to tell him we were going to work on his question, Daniel had some news. My main role, I'm the minister at the Hudson Valley Congregation. He had moved to Brooklyn and now runs the Unitarian Universalist Congregation of the Hudson Valley in New York. It's a big career shift that changed his perspective on his initial question. Now that I am ordained and running a congregation, I understand how many barriers there are to just managing and and keeping the services going week to week. And one of the questions that I would ask now that I didn't initially is what supports are available to help houses of worship build affordable housing? So his one question turned into two. We called up KQED's housing reporter, Aditi Bandlamudi, on this one. Hey, Aditi. Hey, Olivia. So what do you know about Daniel's first question? How many churches have already built affordable housing? Well, bad news is we don't have that data. We checked with a handful of government agencies and housing groups, and no one's really tracking it. But we do know that there is a lot of land available. A UC Berkeley study estimates there are about 38,000 acres of land owned by faith groups in the state that are largely going unused. If you can picture it, that's almost the size of Stockton. And that land is located in what city planners like to call a quote-unquote high-opportunity neighborhood, which basically means there are good schools there, parks, grocery stores, all the things that make those areas a nice place to live. All right. Well, what about Daniel's second question then? What does it take to build housing and what supports are there? The thing is, there aren't many supports that help churches build housing. It's a really difficult process that a lot of churches are interested in, but not many can see it all the way through. But if a church wants to build housing, it builds it the way that All Souls Episcopal built Jordan Court, the apartment that Ira lives in. It all started eight years ago when Reverend Phil Burchard wanted to do something with the building the church owned that was going largely unused. We talked to all kinds of people in the neighborhood. We talked to uh, elected officials, city council members, um, our state senator, our mayor, uh, folks working in nonprofit agencies to find out what was most needed. And at the same time, we had members of our congregation who were themselves starting to feel the housing crunch that was happening um, that was really building seven, eight years ago. They thought about turning it into an office space for the church's staff, or maybe they could sell it to a developer who would make market rate housing and the church could make money from it. But we wanted to be part of strengthening the community in a different way and one that was going to provide space for people who are most vulnerable. It was not an easy journey. The church faced all the usual challenges that housing projects run into. Funding, bureaucracy, and pushback from neighbors. For some, it was uh, they didn't want to see a bigger structure here. We added a story to the building that was previously here. Uh, For some, it was just they didn't want uh, poor people living in their quote-unquote neighborhood. At one point, one neighbor threatened a lawsuit against the whole project that would have shut it down. These usual challenges can slow down or even shut down housing projects. Seasoned housing developers have a hard time getting past them. But for churches who are often building housing for the first time, it can be impossible. 
So why was All Souls Episcopal Church able to build the housing in the end? Well, the church had a few things going for it. The state had just passed some housing laws that made the approval process smoother for affordable housing developments. It's also a big church in an affluent neighborhood. They weren't worried about making a profit from the development. And their congregation was eager to see the project through, and they came with many skills. We had a number of people who gave up thousands of hours to this project from our congregation who came in with different skill sets, a journalist and an attorney and a couple of architects. They also partnered with an affordable housing developer called Satellite Affordable Housing Associates, or SAHA for short. To Daniel's question, that is where they got a lot of the support they needed to build this housing. But despite this working out between Saha and All Souls Episcopal, this was the first project Saha successfully completed with the church. Here's Susan Friedland, the CEO of the company. The reality is there's a lot of parameters and limitations around funding that we take on when we build affordable housing. Building housing in California is really complicated, really expensive, and filled with lots of bureaucratic red tape. For affordable housing, those factors only increase. In talking with churches who want to build this kind of housing, Susan found that ultimately, it's not for everyone. Some congregations see they have this surplus land and they want to monetize it, and it makes complete sense. But building affordable housing isn't always really a great way to kind of maximize profit. There were other churches who wanted to build housing only for their congregants. But according to state and federal laws, affordable housing can't just be offered to one specific group of people. The units are opened up to a lottery of people who apply for the affordable housing. So the people who get a spot could come from anywhere. That's all often a game changer for a congregation. Well, okay, we, we thought we could house our parishioners and it's clear that maybe they can apply, but they might not get a unit. For All Souls Church in Berkeley, it sounds like those motivations weren't paramount as they went into the project, though. Exactly. I'm going to let Reverend Burchard explain that. We had um, several members of the congregation who qualified uh, for the housing who did not get chosen in the lottery. And that was super disappointing. And we understood that that was part of what could happen. We're also in a position where we didn't need the income stream for us to be able to survive. What about faith groups that do need to make money off developing their land? Not one, but both of my parents work in churches, so I've heard a lot about how dwindling attendance at religious services was already causing a financial strain on many houses of worship before the pandemic. But since COVID hit, everything's escalated. A lot of people just haven't returned to those faith centers. Could housing be a lifeboat for one of them if they're in a tight spot? It can be, but I'll be honest, it's way harder. There's just not a lot of money made through affordable housing. But there is someone who wants to change that, Pastor LJ Jennings of the Kingdom Builders Project. It would take over this, this, this space all in here. Um, and and so this is right now a parking lot? All parking lot right now. And so it, we, would, uh, we would build uh, housing right here. I met LJ in the parking lot of the Blessings of Faith Church Worship Center in Hayward. It's a small parking lot, surrounded by quiet neighborhoods with single-family homes. There's a skateboard shop across the street and a beautiful view of Five Canyons Park. It's here that he's trying to help the church build a four-story apartment building for low-income seniors. We proposed building uh, in terms of what we can put together is 42 units total. Many black churches in the Bay Area are in a pinch. 
primarily because their congregants are getting priced out of their neighborhoods. This housing development in Hayward is one of the five developments LJ is working on with black churches in the East Bay. Church attendance is way down. Church attendance is down, so is your offering plate. So we had to think about how do churches survive? Repurposing your land into housing became significant. LJ is the pastor of the Kingdom Builders Church in Oakland. But before becoming a pastor, he used to work in real estate, and he wanted to use those skills for some church projects. First, he built a sober living facility on some property the church owned. And so we knew right away early on that we needed to address the homeless crisis. Seven years later, he opened up a home for people who were formerly incarcerated and re-entering society. But the reason we're talking to him for this story is, in 2019, he started the Kingdom Builders Project, a nonprofit that helps churches build affordable housing. It was important for us to think about how do we as the faith community attack this issue and attack the crises of, of losing members that are being pushed out. How is LJ's method different from what Saha or any other affordable housing developer would do? I should preface this to say that LJ's projects with other churches are all in the pre-development stage. Nothing's been constructed yet. So right now, these are all ideas, and we're just waiting to see how they play out. Okay, so most churches go about building housing the same way All Souls Episcopal in Berkeley built Jordan Court. They partner with an affordable housing developer, someone seasoned and specialized in the field, who knows how to jump through all those bureaucratic hoops and get the housing built. And for jumping through all those hoops and getting the housing built, the affordable housing developer gets a fee. It's called the developer's fee. It comes out of the project's total cost, funded through subsidies and tax credits. So we have situations where nonprofit housing developers are getting land from the church and the church doesn't benefit in it other than their name on the building. But what if the church takes a more active role in developing the housing, filling out the paperwork and working with the county to get the design approved? Jennings thinks if that's the case, the church should get a piece of that developer's fee. Boom, money in the church's pocket. But that's only a one-time thing, right? Like, can't the church make money off rent? That's LJ's plan, or at least part of it. Let's fast forward to when the housing is built and people are living in those units. Usually, affordable housing developers will hire people to manage the building. People who will run the front desk and clean the apartment between tenants, fix the plumbing. But what if churches could train their people to do all of that? That means more money into the church's pocket. And what about the issue of housing the congregants? Most developments that are developed on church property, their members don't even get the chance to be in there. And I know why. He says it's because the church members aren't ready to apply to the affordable housing lottery when the time comes. So it's going to take a couple years to build the housing development. In that time, the churches should counsel parishioners on budgeting, credit, savings. We're working with them on all the areas so that when the application opens up, our people are ready to apply. Again, these are not surefire methods. LJ is testing out these ideas with the churches he's currently working with. And a lot of churches are eagerly waiting to see how it all works out. There's a pro-housing construction movement you may have heard of called YIMBY, or Yes in My Backyard. For churches, it's called YIGBY, or Yes in God's Backyard. Thanks so much, Adity. Thanks for having me. 
That story was reported by Aditi Bandlamudi, KQED Silicon Valley reporter and recently turned housing reporter. There are faith groups that are moving forward with their own plans to build housing, financing it however they can. There is even some legislation that's being introduced into California's Senate this year that could streamline the approval process and cut out some of that bureaucracy. Stay tuned on that. The Bay Curious team includes Katrina Schwartz, Amanda Font, Brendan Willard, and me, Olivia Allen-Price. Special thanks to Erica Kelly, Christopher Beal, and Paul Lancor for their help on this story. Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. 